A random Faraway man of Kutu. Princess Leia was a Wadma Atu. Us, Batata Rondi, Darth Vader. And Chenko Vaskimo Kia Tundi Death Star. Us, Michi and Geta, Obi Wan Kenobi, Imanamachu Vader Con Yumno. Utape. Yes, Artu, I was just coming to that. Toronto Gosh. Master Luke at Chimney Chudu. Uta Millennium Falcon at Chimney Cloud City. What's Nutch Vader? Han Solo. Tikolo Carbon. Wonder Kachnab. Gubu Salak. Oh. Aun. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This is episode number 497, Why We Love Return of the Jedi. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the little gray to my wicket, we've got Carl LeClaire. <laughs> I am the shaman. <laughs> I love it. You are the shaman, and I'm the one who hits myself in the face with a slingshot. Um <laughs> Could not be more accurate of our of, of, of our personalities, Jason. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And Carl, once again, we are continuing our march to 500 episodes today. I know uh, it. That's exciting. So exciting. And, and uh, for all of you who've been joining us for this series, um, or if you're new to this series, uh, Jason and I have been committed to between... Uh, episodes 495 and 499 breaking down our combined top five star wars movies um in case you are are joining the show for the first time back in uh october jason and i got to hang out together and sat down and put together our combined top five list of star wars movies and our combined number three favorite star wars movie was of course episode six return of the jedi and uh, we're going to be diving into this one and all the many things we love about this movie. And that said, Jason, it wasn't that long ago, back in uh, both uh, both at the end of July and the beginning of, uh, of August, we did a two-part series breaking down why we love Return of the Jedi, uh, where we got really, really in-depth. So if you want to get even more extensive into our love for Return of the Jedi, I would encourage you to check out episodes 477 and 478 of the show, where we have a two-part series on this. But uh, we kind of challenged ourselves to think of some new things, some different things from that list to uh, tackle in today's episode. And uh, Jason, I know I've I've only got a couple of crossovers, so I'm excited to get into this conversation. Yeah, I've got a couple of things that will cross over or at least kind of cross over. Um, but I did my best to, uh, to try and branch out away from things. Uh, this episode is going to be a little bit more 
uh, it's not going to be quite as in depth as our episodes, 20 episodes ago. Uh, like <laughs> that was, that was a deep dive into return of the Jedi. Uh, I've got some really cool things, some more general things, some more very, you know, specific moment kind of things. Um, but yeah, the, this is, this is going to be, we're, we're trying to keep things a, as a little bit different. Uh, I'm happy with my list for sure. Um, but it's definitely not going to be as in depth as we went uh, 20 episodes ago, which is such a weird thing to say. Oh yeah. There's just 20 episodes to go, which was like, you know, five months ago. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been putting in the work, Carl. <laughs> we sure have. We sure have. Um, but I'm, I'm super, super excited to, to talk some more return of the Jedi. Um, certainly one of my favorite star Wars movies. And if I'm not mistaken, Jason, it's your favorite star Wars movie. It is my favorite. And, uh, I believe on the, the list that we made back, uh, when you were visiting me in October, it was your number five. So it was my number one, your number five, which meant it just very evenly went to <laughs> number three on our combined list. It was very simple to place this one. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, well, with that said, since it's your number, since, since you're number one, I'm going to let you finish out the episode with your, 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 your main reason for loving on this movie. So I'll kick the conversation off. Um, and, uh, it works out pretty well being that upon this recording, we are just a few days away from, from Christmas for those of you who celebrate that, that particular holiday. Um, and, uh, I would be remiss to not mention that one of the reasons I love return of the Jedi is that nostalgia factor? Return of the Jedi was my favorite Star Wars movie as a kid. Um, Empire ended up becoming my number one um, and continues to be my number one. Uh, probably around high schoolish time, Empire took over Return of the Jedi. But from my young fandom, I got into Star Wars around 1995 when I was nine to ten years old, and uh, when I, I Empire was the first movie I saw, I really loved it. Transported me again. We we talked about a little bit of this a few episodes back when we talked about why we love Empire Strikes Back. Um, but when I saw Return of the Jedi, I was like, mm, nope, this is my favorite. And <laughs> I, I think the main reason it was my favorite was I have some really fond memories before I owned any of the Star Wars movies on VHS. Uh, they used to play the Star Wars trilogy, the original trilogy, on the sci-fi channel around the Christmas season. I don't remember exactly the dates, but I do remember two holidays in a row, both the Christmas season of 1994 and 1995, when my family was decorating our Christmas tree together. We had the sci-fi channel on in the background, and I explicitly remember watching Return of the Jedi two years in a row as we decorated our Christmas tree. And... I was like, this is awesome. It's This is like as big as a tree in the Endor forest. I absolutely loved it. It just <laughs> fed my imagination as I, as I watched them running around the forest of Endor and I'm decorating this this pine tree in our living room. Uh, it just, it, it, it gave such a fondness to my heart. Um, and Return of the Jedi became my favorite movie as, as a young person, mainly because of the amount of adventure and action and excitement in this movie. I mean, there are so many action sequences. And again, I loved empire from my first screening, but empire is a little slow in the middle section. Whereas it felt like return of the Jedi just had constant action sequences. Obviously we have Jabba's palace with the Rancor fight into the Sarlacc pit, uh, into an Endor speeder bike chase into this massive battle of Endor at the end of the film. Um, return of the Jedi just, 
just catapulted me into this, into this different world and into this sense of adventure. Um, and you know, what really stuck with me and, and I still remember this, even as a young person, um, return of the Jedi was really the statement that, um, good always triumphs over evil, that the, the forces for good, when they work together, will always be able to overcome the evil forces in the galaxy. And kind of now looking back on it, kind of with this hindsight, um, you know, if, if, if Empire Strikes Back gave me this hope that I could always endure through hard times, Return of the Jedi showed me that that endurance can lead to victory. Um, and those were the Empire and Jedi were my favorite Star Wars movies for the longest time. A New Hope, I didn't even see it till like two years after I became a fan. And it was <laughs> never my favorite, continues to not be one of my favorites. Sorry to all you OT people who are screaming at me right now. Um, but uh, Empire and Jedi were just this perfect little sandwich of, of a story about enduring the worst of times and the Return of the Jedi showing you that, that it. That when you endure, when you really have hope, when you really believe that good things can come and you commit to that, it can happen. That was was and continues to be one of my favorite aspects of Return of the Jedi is that your commitment to the good fight will ultimately win the day. Um, so that's the first thing I wanted to mention with this movie. That's great. And I love the fact that you you would decorate the Christmas tree to watching return of the watch while well, watching return of the jedi like i it makes me wish i could like take all the ornaments off my tree and put on return of the jedi so i could decorate it again uh <laughs> to return of the jedi and make return of the jedi my christmas movie um <laughs> <laughs> but no that that's awesome and i i love all of those things that you said and that there's aspects of that that i'll be talking on uh, a little bit later on but uh, one of the first things I wanted to mention as to why, you know, one of my favorite things I love Return, about Return of the Jedi, and this is going to be no surprise and something that probably has a little bit of crossover from our previous episodes on the topic, uh, and that's Palpatine. Like, mm. this is my favorite Palpatine movie. Uh, I mean, Return or Revenge of the Sith has some great Palpatine stuff in it. Uh, he's, he's, he's fantastic, but for, Nostalgia reasons and just purely uh, quotable reasons. Return of the Jedi is my favorite. Like this is this is Palpatine. He's reveling in his his lordship over the galaxy. He is the emperor of the universe. No one can touch him. Uh, and and he, everything he says in this movie is so freaking quotable. Um, <laughs> it it just it makes me grin every time, which is weird because he's the bad guy. Um, but I, I literally can't get enough of Palpatine when he's on screen in this movie. Like he, Ian McDermott just chews up the scenery um, every time he's on, on screen and it's fantastic. So uh, it's always, you know, this is the reason this movie is the reason uh, initially when I was younger, uh, that Palpatine became my favorite star Wars villain. Um, as a kid, it was, it was return of the Jedi. Uh, Vader was always cool, but the emperor was scary because mm. he was the one that was in charge of Vader. So, um, yeah. And 
and of course that's just grown more and more and more as I've, you know, been, uh, as we've gotten more of him in the prequels. And then of course he showed back up in rise of Skywalker. Uh, I, I will never get enough of the evil emperor Palpatine, but this is my favorite Palpatine movie, uh, is return of the Jedi. So go for Papa Palpatine. <laughs> what the hell is an aluminum falcon oh jeez he's crying he's crying <laughs> uh, I'm, I love that that's the first point you wanted to bring up Jason because that's actually my next one uh, one of the and I know I did not talk about this uh, on our two part series um, for whatever reason but I'm kind of glad I saved it that's also one of my favorite things about Return of the Jedi is just kind of Palpatine's plotting and creepiness um, absolutely mm-hmm. love what he's up to. Uh, and I remember having, we, we talked a bit about this a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Empire. Um, Empire Strikes Back has my, my favorite villain performance of all time in a movie, which is, of course, every Vader scene just totally grabs me. Um, this is second only to Empire, is, is the Emperor. Every scene the Emperor is in Return of the Jedi, I'm also just like fixated. I mean, I've seen it Return does. of the Jedi hundreds of times in my life, but anytime it's th- I throw it on, even if it's just kind of a background watch, the scenes with the Emperor, I'm just fixated. Uh, he just totally, totally captivates me. I mean, like you kind of insinuated, Jason, right? The, the, the way Ian McDermott plays the part is certainly very quotable. Um, yes. But I... I I think especially over the years now, and now we've got this full complete Skywalker saga over nine movies. Um, you know, I, I, it, it just gives me a deeper appreciation for Palpatine specifically in this movie. Um, in the way that he wants to control Luke in the same way he takes control of Anakin in, in episode three, he's seeking to kind of take control of Luke to replace Vader. Um, yeah. Every scene we see the Emperor in, he's ultimately talking about how everything is proceeding as planned. Everything he has foreseen is coming to light, right? The Emperor is one of the scariest characters because of the fact that he seems to know and control the future. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what makes him so scary is – if you have a villain who knows what's what's coming, that villain is pretty damn scary because he already knows what's coming. He can, can he can plan contingencies. But at the very heart of that is Palpatine's downfall. He's so focused on the future. He's constantly looking off into the future. Right? Like I love the couple scenes where Vader goes to talk to him on the Death Star and he's he's staring off into space, right? Yeah. And turns around and talks to Vader. I mean, we can imagine that as he's kind of staring off into space, it's not him spacing out. It's actually him just looking, using the force to look into the future, right? The, to him, to Palpatine, yeah. the force is a crystal ball that he thinks he can manipulate and control. But I would almost argue, especially especially in light of some of the things we learn about the Force in Episode 1, one thing Palpatine is completely blind to is the present and therefore the living Force. He has no idea what's going on inside of Vader in relationship to Luke. He is completely ignorant of the power of love and redemption. Um, and that will ultimately lead to his downfall. Uh, and 
I think that's what I really enjoy about Palpatine in this movie is he thinks he's in control of everything. And in some yeah. ways, he really is. You know, the whole galaxy bows to his bows to his wishes. And yet there are things that he is still wildly ignorant of. Um, but what makes him so scary is the fact that for for a while, he seems to really know what's going to happen. He can predict everything. Um, mm -hmm. And in that desire to corrupt Luke is quite frightening. And, and I will say one of one of the most terrifying scenes in, in Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker, no matter what you think of that movie and Palpatine being back in it, Ian McDermott crushes the role. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And I love the moment in Episode Nine when Finn and Poe are talking about uh, what Ochi of Bastoon was trying to trying to do and finn says to poe he was going to take a little girl from jakku to the emperor and it was and like poe kind of like gasps in terror right so it's this idea that the emperor wants to completely take control of of individuals like he is a corrupter yeah. at his core um and that's Absolutely. what we see him doing in return of the jedi is He's just plotting every little thing. All right, Vader, you've you've been useful to it for a time. I found someone more powerful than you and more promising. Yes, let's bring Luke in. I will have him kill you and take your place. Uh, I mean, he is just a calculating killer. It's terrifying. Absolutely, and I love what you said that you know about the fact that. The living force is not something that seems to make sense to him. I think that's a great insight uh, because he is always looking out to the future, out around him to the cosmos, if you will, the cosmic force to see what he can see and find what he can, what strings he can pull and what he can control. Um, but yeah, the, the living force does seem to be absent to his whole way of doing things. And I, it's probably been absent from the Jedi council's way of doing things for a while. Uh, if Qui-Gon is the one that keeps pushing the living force and people call him a maverick. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, it's necessary, but it's not widely used at that point. And of course, you know, Yoda uh, seems to embrace it a lot more by the time we get to uh, Empire and Jedi than the prequels. So, but yeah, I love that insight. That's a great one. And uh, I'm going to have to think more about that. So <laughs> it's not one I'd, it's not a connection I'd made before and I love it. So um, one of the things I absolutely love in this movie is, uh, is the relationship between Luke and Leia mm. and how it's built and how uh, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher play the brother-sister relationship um, that ends up growing between the two of them. And the, the thing is, is not only is it, you know, become more apparent and more overt after Luke discovers it and uh, reveals it to Leia but even before that, before Leia even knows, the the way they're relating to each other and interacting with each other and, uh, you know, on Tatooine, 
uh, on Endor before they find all the Ewoks. You know, they, they really are acting like siblings. You know, when Han's like, hey, it's me, before he goes off to take off out the scout troopers, the two of them just give each other a look that says <laughs> everything. Uh, and if you ever have ever had siblings and you know either your crazy cousin or the younger sibling is like, hey, don't worry about it. I've got this. Uh, and the other two siblings just sort of look at each other and so much is said without a word. You, you know, that's absolutely what happens there between the two of them. So, but I, I absolutely love the way it develops. And it, it, even though it was a decision that George Lucas made, you know, in, in writing uh, Return of the Jedi to, you know, officially make them the siblings. I think he had the idea of siblings out there, but they were going to be the siblings, you know, that was decided for sure later on. Um, it still works with everything else uh, that came before, even, even the awkward moments. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, my favorite moment, I think, of all of of them as siblings, there's two actually, is when Leia, uh, when, when Luke is asking Leia about her mother, because of course he's asking about his mother and uh, she, she gives these, these ideas, you know, about it. And he's, he's sitting there very, very contemplative and she leans in and is like, Hey, what's, what's wrong? And she, she's asking about it. And that's when of course he reveals everything. But I, I love that moment. And because it's such a, 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 you know, a vulnerable moment for Luke because he's like, you know, I have no memory of my mother and that's all he can grasp about who his mother was is from what Leia will tell him. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I think that's such a very, very vulnerable moment that, you know, Luke opens himself to and Leia is very tender in that moment and doesn't obviously, obviously not that she would, but doesn't take advantage of it. Um, and then, of course, the second uh, favorite moment is when Leia is there on Endor with Han and the Death Star blows up and she can sense that Luke wasn't on it when it blew up. And no, I can feel it. And, you know, they, they start having, you know, the connection that we got a glimpse of at the end of Empire Strikes Back when Luke reached out to Leia through the force is now strong and is defined and uh, is something that Luke has to very actively cut off in the last Jedi in order to, not have the two of them essentially be in connection 24 seven. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, I love the, that the confidence that Leia feels about that. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's not a, no, I, I think he's okay. It's like, no, he wasn't. I can feel it. It's so very sure. And she's so very much at peace about the knowledge, uh, of, of her brother's safety. So, yeah, that's uh, I love that you mentioned this. Um, their their relationship is is so unique in this movie, and you know the the I mean I, I'll just shout out the the theme song for Luke and Leia that John Williams composed, yes. which is absolutely beautiful. And I've I've shared this on previous episodes, but 
when I was fortunate enough to see John Williams conduct the Boston Pops concert several years back, and he, he did an all Star Wars concert. Before they played the Luke and Leia theme, John Williams talked about how he originally thought Luke and Leia would end up together, not Han and Leia. Um, and so he, when he started composing a piece for them for, for Return of the Jedi, he was composing a specific romantic theme. And then George said to him, no, 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 they're actually siblings. So John was like, oh, well, I just figured, all right, fine. It'll be a different type of love story, uh, which, which I really appreciate. I mean, that, that theme song is a beautifully romantic theme akin to the Han and Leia theme from Empire, um, but it has a different connotation. Uh, this mm-hmm. is this is a theme of, of, of sibling love as opposed to romantic love. Um, but it's so quintessential to, to who their characters are. And um, yeah, it, it's so worth mentioning that um, it, it's the connection that they share that makes Luke's journey in Last Jedi make sense. Um, and again, I know there's a lot of people that don't particularly uh, uh, like wh- what Luke's journey was in Last Jedi. I mean, I still have a hard time swallowing it myself. Um, but be that as it may, I think one of the grounding aspects of it is he feels like he failed Leia. Um, and Return right. of the Jedi really establishes that this relationship, it's not just that they're siblings and that they were long lost siblings, but it's also that Luke recognizes in the context of this story, in the context of Return of the Jedi, when Luke goes off to confront Vader one last time, he doesn't think he's coming back. He genuinely doesn't think he's coming back. Um, and I mean, even when he's brought before the Emperor, he's like, soon I'll be dead, you with me, right? He He's pretty convinced right. this is the end of the road for him. So in his mind, Leia is the future, not only of the Republic, but also of the Jedi. Um, so Luke really wants to indicate to her that there's something far more special to her than just her her diplomatic prowess um right and yeah and 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 leia really seems to respond to that she you know i know somehow i've always known um there's this truth buried inside of her that as soon as the light shines on it leia is immediately accepting it and that's something I really love about their relationship in this movie is, is it's so uncomplicated, right? Han and Leia yeah. throughout Empire is a very, you know, almost like contentious <laughs> relationship until it just kind of – they kind of just give into it. Well, more like Leia right. gives into it. But um, in this, it's just – it's once Luke reveals like here's here's the truth of what, what we mean to each other. She's just like, yeah, I know. Somehow I've always known, right? It's just – Leia is so quick to accept the truth and quick to accept what she feels to be true. Um, I think it, it's another instance of why Leia is such a, a an incredible character. Um, yeah, and also it's it's really about this 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 bonding of these two of these twins that are really important to the to the uh, to the redemption of the galaxy. Um, you know, you can't right. help but think, you know, JJ came up with the idea of the dyad for episode nine. Um, you can't help but think that maybe that was somewhat based on what Luke and Leia had, uh, that they mm-hmm. are the two of them together help bring balance to the force. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so natural, you know, it, it fits so naturally. It's, it's not forced. It's not awkward. 
Uh, it just makes sense. And, and the way the two of them, the, you know, Mark and Carrie play it, it's, it's just, it's very natural. It doesn't feel forced at all. And, uh, I, I absolutely love it. Like it's, it's not overstated. Um, and, and I think it's perfectly done. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. Um, well, what's next for you? The next for me, uh, I got to just, you know, give a shout out to the battle of Endor. <laughs> um, it's, it's probably my favorite battle in all of star Wars. Um, it, it helps that it's a, a three front battle. You know, we've obviously got the, yeah. the battle on the planet itself. We've got the space battle. And of course, Luke's battle with, uh, Vader and the emperor. Um, it, it's, there, there's so much goodness. And again, like kind of reflecting back on the first point I made, the Battle of Endor was my favorite part of this movie. I mean, I think it essentially constitutes about 40 minutes of the movie. Um, and those 40 minutes are, you know, in 10-year-old in Carl's mind, nothing could possibly be better. <laughs> um, and uh, that's not untrue now. It's it's a little less true now. Um, but uh, it's, it's so fun and... I appreciate how each aspect of the battle adds something important to the story. And so, of course, the, the, the battle for Luke, the battle for his soul between the Emperor and Vader, that's really kind of the heart of the story. It's kind of the heart of the original trilogy saga is what's going on with Luke. What will he choose? Um, mm-hmm. it, it, kind of, it kind of gets at uh, this very personal story. Um, and then down on the the forest moon of Endor, you've got this this battle for freedom. You know the the this small band of rebels now joined with this you know this tribe of Ewoks. Uh, it's it's this struggle for freedom. It's it's the galaxy's inherent response to the oppression of the Empire. This longing for freedom, and. Uh, this kind of just clicked with me while I was watching the movie the other day, probably in light of the fact that we talked so much about Solo last week. If you think about uh, Han's arc in Solo, so much of what he stumbles through in that movie is is these battles for freedom. And I think specifically of the battle on Kessel. You've got L3 leading this droid revolution, this 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 fight for freedom. Han doesn't really care about that still. Um, right. We kind of talked about this last week when we were talking about Solo is Han mm-hmm. kind of stumbles his way through these galactic events, but doesn't really care about anything other than kind of his own his own edification. Uh, Return of the Jedi kind of sees that arc come full circle. It kind of comes to a, a fullness where Han understands that desire, that galactic desire for freedom. And he's part of that fight now. So this battle on the forest moon of Endor is this tribe of Ewoks kind of representative of the galaxy at large, this, this desire for people to, to be separate from an oppressive power. And Han is in part leading that, leading that attack. He believes in that. Now he doesn't, he's not just in it for himself. He believes in this fight for freedom. And what's so beautiful about the space battle isn't just, I mean, on the surface, what's beautiful about it is just the awesome visuals. And the fact that they, in my opinion, still hold up, you know, almost yes. 40 years later, I still think that space battle looks awesome. Um, and yes. I don't care what people say. I still think it's better than the Rogue One space battle. Yeah, Rogue One looks better because it's a way newer movie. But Return of the Jedi, sorry, it's better. That's my opinion. And it's right. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry for pissing all you Rogue One fans off, but I really don't care. Um, uh, I absolutely love the space battle, but the space battle also represents uh, this this diverse galaxy coming together to fight this mono mono monolithic empire. Um, mm-hmm. When I was watching Return of the Jedi the other night, um, I, I don't know why, but I, I've always loved the scene on Home One when they're kind of launching the battle plan, right? You've got Mon Mothma, you've got Admiral Akbar, you've got General Maydeen kind of breaking down the, the, the assault that's about to take place. As I was just kind of watching the background, you see, you see this band of Ishi Tibbs in the top left corner. You see a group, obviously, of Mon Calmarians. You see a group of all these different alien species, right? There, there's such a diversity of even color, right? Everybody looks a little bit different. The, there's very bright, natural colors on people's uh, costumes and, and uniforms. And it's this reminder that this battle in space it's kind of the galaxy at large standing up to the oppression of of the empire. So the Battle of Endor is to me kind of this beautiful coming together of the micro and macrocosm of the Star Wars story. Right? You've got the the heart of the story in Luke. Luke is our hero. He's battling the heart of evil. And beyond Luke, there's also this galaxy at large, this diversity of races and cultures coming together in their fight for freedom. That's what the Battle of Endor is all about, is being free of the oppression of the emperor and Luke also figuring out what it means to defeat evil. Um, so Battle of Endor is just it's just so good. I mean, it's so fun. And then there's all these other elements, too. Yeah, absolutely. The battle for Endor is is my favorite battle and a big part of why this movie is still my favorite Star Wars movie. And Carl, are you have you been peeking at my notes? Um because <laughs> you, the you next write your wanna... notes, Jason, so no, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I do handwrite my notes. Um in cursive, even weirder. Um, <laughs> but uh no, the the thing I wanted to bring up next is the the very fact that it it takes everyone, all of these different groups of people working together to defeat the Empire. Um, you know, you just named a whole bunch of stuff uh, in the the Rebel, all, the former Rebel Alliance. There, you know, the the Mon Calamari, all the different aliens that you see there. It takes our heroes, Han, Luke, Leia, Lando. It takes the everyday soldiers, uh, like all the troopers that are down on Endor. Uh, the fighter pilots like Wedge, it takes the Ewoks, uh, and it takes all of these different disparate groups of people coming together for a common cause and a common goal to defeat the Emperor and the Empire. And each of the different tasks has to work in order for it all to come together and to be successful. Uh, the The ground team has to be successful in order for the space team to be successful. Luke has to be successful in order to make sure that, you know, his father and Vader, uh, you know, are, is redeemed and the balance can be brought back to the force, uh, at least for a time. Uh, and so all of this has to come together and we have to have a unity through, you know, the diversity of so many different peoples and, goals and roles and ideals uh coming together uh to 
to be unified in one common objective here. And that's, uh, that's one of my favorite aspects about them. You're right. It is, it's very colorful. Uh, it's visually pleasing to the eyes. This is, this is part of where George Lucas's visual storytelling comes back into things. Yes. Richard Marquand was the one who ultimately directed, but he and George talked a lot. Um, and, I I think it's interesting, and you you can see the these scenes shot um, in the deleted scenes on Disney Plus. But the Home One crew they filmed all of those scenes twice. They filmed them with Admiral Akbar and the Mon Calamari crew, and then they filmed them with General Maydeen and his human crew. Uh, they weren't sure which one they were going to end up using, and I think Richard Marquand is the one who ultimately uh, made the case for. Uh, for Admiral Akbar and the aliens to be the ones you know, that made it there in the movie. Um, and so I, I think it was a, it's very nice that there was a very conscious choice to have that, that diversity, um, not only just in the, the various peoples that are allied, but, you know, we have the diversity in the different objectives and goals that all have to come together in order to make the victory possible. Um, and, and I think that's just a fantastic part of this movie. Uh, and one of the reasons why it is such a hopeful thing, because you can have all of these different people, these different uh, roles and objectives coming together uh, to, to be, uh, a force for good, uh, if you will. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, great. Well, the, the next thing I wanted to mention, um, is something I certainly talked about, uh, in the last time we kind of broached the topic of why we love this movie, Jason. Um, and, and I'd be remiss to not just talk about it again, but I'm going to try to talk from talk a little bit of a different angle. Um, but I think one of the f- uh, things I love most about Return of the Jedi is its central theme about uh, love being redemptive. Um, and of course, we get that with the story of Luke and Anakin. And, and, and I'll mention something about that in a moment. But I also I want to want to kick this off, though, by talking about how this is also true for Leia and Han. Um, yeah. Leia's love for Han is is redemptive for the both of them. Uh, for Leia, it gives her life, uh, it gives her life meaning, um, and purpose driven towards someone instead of just this cause for rebellion. And it's not to diminish the importance of the rebellion and, and the need for the rebellion to be successful. Um, but for much of Leia's character, specifically in a new hope, and even in a bit of empire, Leia's primary love is kind of this abstract ideal, which is not a bad thing. But I think falling in love with Han makes her love more tangible, um, more real in a way. Um, so she finds this redemption in, in, in understanding that the cause in and of itself, while important, um, it has now flesh to it. The reason it's important is because people matter and people are worth saving and people uh, people are fighting for freedom because of the people they love. And now Leia has someone to love. Um, and and then in addition to her is also what that means for Han. Han, um, especially thinking back to Solo, 
by the end of the movie, for Han, self-preservation is the highest end. But by the time we get to him in Return of the Jedi, he has fallen so in love with Leia that that love has extended to not just her as a person, but to the things that mattered to her. And that's why Han throws his hat in the ring with the rebellion, right? You know, when we meet him in empire, yes, he's on echo base. He's, he's bopping around helping the rebellion, but he's not really a rebel yet. He's really there for Leia. He's really there for Luke. Um, It's somewhat similar to Finn's journey in the sequels, right? In last Jedi, he's still not really in it for the resistance. He's just, he just cares about Ray. It takes right. Rose showing him the the kind of tyranny of the First Order for him to finally shake out of a certain level of apathy and understand that there is a, a bigger fight that matters. What happens for Han is I think Leia coming back for him, coming to, to Jabba's palace, rescuing him alongside Chewie and Luke and Lando. Um, Han realizes that his life has to mean more than just himself and his close circle. And that's why he joins the rebellion. And right. The, the fact that we know he's all in is literally in that briefing scene on the home one, when Leia is totally taken aback when general Medine says general solo is your strike team assembled. She's like, yeah, uh, come again. What? <laughs> um, so, you know, she's so taken aback and Han doesn't tell her beforehand. I think because in his mind, this could potentially be a suicide mission um, and he doesn't mm-hmm. want to put her at risk, but he believes in this cause because of the people he loves. Um, so that love that they share is is redemptive for both of them. Um, it, it, and, and when I say redemptive, I want to give a definition to that is that it, it, it for me, the way I define redemption as, as a theological person is, is redemption is freedom for something fuller. Freedom for a richer life. That's what redemption's all about. So Leia's redemption isn't that she needed to be freed from some sort of evil, but rather she's freed to deliver a fuller life. And for Leia, that looks like caring about people, not just abstract causes. And for Han, it's learning that while your people matter, so do bigger things. So it's kind of funny how they really balance each other out and that their shared love opened them both up to a world bigger than what they originally saw. Um, and of course, when you're talking about this theme in Return of the Jedi, of course you have to talk about Luke and, and Anakin and Luke and Vader, however you want to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, right. But Luke reawakens Anakin's do- desire for love and connection, you know, because in Luke's eyes, to, to kind of pull from a theme from the Andor series, uh, if, in the eyes of Luke, his father is more than the mistakes he's made, right? So just like Marva yeah. s- sent the message to Cassian that I love you more than any mistakes you could make, Luke sees his father as someone more than the mistakes and the sins of Darth Vader. Um, and... Anakin acknowledges that Anakin sees that and sees his value, sees that he is more than the mistakes he's made through that, through those loving eyes of his son. And, and I love that redemptive quality because Padme's dying words to Obi-Wan are there. They're still good in him. She's right. She's redeemed there. Um, And what it, what it took for that to become realized was, 
Padme's son to help Anakin see that he is in fact good, um, that he is not pure evil. Um, Padme believed in him. Luke believes in him. If Padme's son can believe in Anakin, Anakin can see that he is valuable still. Uh, so I, I, I love that through line through, through return of the Jedi. It's, it's a great one. Uh, the, the power of redemptive love is, uh, it's a great theme. And I, I like that you, you applied it. Obviously the obvious one is Luke, Anakin, Vader. Uh, but I love that you also applied it back to, to Han and Leia because it does, it, it completes their stories as well. You know, Luke is the one who gets, you know, the, the headlining from a lot of the stuff in this movie. But but that same theme definitely links all three of our main heroes uh, it, as their journeys come to a conclusion in this. Their stories from the original trilogy come to a conclusion in this movie. So I love that you made that in there. So, yeah. Um, well... The next thing I want to talk about is something a lot more general uh, and sort of a 30,000-foot view looking down at the movie. And uh, it came to mind because of what one of the things we talked about uh, with Solo last week, and that is the music for Return of the Jedi. Nice. I love the music in Return of the Jedi. It's my favorite score of the original trilogy, um, without a doubt. So... Uh, I all of the action cues that we get are fantastic. The way that John Williams, of course, uh, you know we we've seen him do this with with all of the other movies. The way he weaves the themes in and out, depending on what what's happening in the movie, whether it's action cues, whether it's uh, a more t- tender moment, but. He is firing on all cylinders and he has all the previous movies from the original, original trilogy to draw upon. Uh, we also get some fantastic uh, uh, source music in this movie as well, uh, whether it's Lapti Neck, Jedi Rocks, uh, the uh, the Ewok, uh, Yubnub, perhaps even, uh, or you know, Jabba's Baroque recital. Thank you, Jason. If you were going to forget that, I was going to be very sad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I couldn't forget it. I was, I was leaving it to last deliberately. Um, But yeah, yeah, Carl, Carl loves that, that piece. But I, I think probably my favorite two themes or I don't know themes, favorite two pieces of music in this whole movie uh, are, the the opening track to the Battle of Endor when the fleet comes out of hyperspace, uh, that's just, it gets me pumped every single time. And I absolutely love the Parade of the Ewoks. So those are probably my two favorite musical themes that we get in the movie. Uh, I would be remiss to say uh, I love the, the Forest Battle Concert Suite, but that's only on the soundtrack. It's not really in the movie. Um, so I didn't count that as part of in the movie uh but that's that's one of my other things that i absolutely love but yeah the music in this in this movie really fires on all cylinders and i i in my opinion it's the best of the original trilogy scores and it definitely every time i picture scenes from the movie i hear the music playing 
Um, and I know I say that to all of this, the, the films, but this one probably even more so than some of the others. Uh, it's that intrinsically linked in my head. Uh, the, the visuals and the score. So it's definitely the, the score I've listened to the most, mm. uh, I think over the years. So maybe Phantom Menace is more, but it's that and, uh, Return of the Jedi over the years. I think those are the two scores I've listened to the most. So I love it. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> uh, I also love the music in this movie. I mean, I love the music in all these movies. I was remiss to not mention that when we were talking Empire Strikes Back. But Return of the Jedi has got such a great score for for all the things you said. Um, And uh, I think in the context of the music for Return of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi is the first soundtrack insofar as movie release order where we get a good use of choir. Um, the, there is a brief moment of choir use in the Empire Strikes Back score when, when Han and Leia and Chewie are approaching Cloud City, you get this kind of high tenor or high soprano note of a a female vocalist singing and, and John William uses that as this siren song. But other than that, Empire and A New Hope don't have any choirs. Uh, we get a, a male's choir for the emperor theme, right? It's this very haunting mm-hmm. kind of almost demonic yeah. sounding sound. And then, of course, when Luke lunges at Vader, right, at, at the end of the duel, and we get this really beautiful choir alongside the music. Um, I feel like John Williams employs a choir in these big moments because uh, just like Star Wars is a modern myth, it's 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 the Greek chorus, kind of rising up and, and and calling our attention to the the epic nature of these events unfolding before us. Um so yeah, I, I also really love the the score to Return of the Jedi. Um so really glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it's it's a really good one. And thank you for mentioning the the, the choir part because I meant to bring that up and uh Based. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's why we're a team, Jason. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Last one. We're yes. on our last one. So what you got? I, I gotta say, when uh it, it, this is somewhat similar to things I talked about when when we when we last approached this this topic with Return of the Jedi. Um, but I'm giving it a little bit of a slight variation. I think one of the things that makes Return of the Jedi one of the most in, enduring Star Wars movies to me is its sense of completion. Um, and, and this also makes the sequel trilogy very problematic by its very nature because Return of the Jedi is just a perfect ending with a bow on top and five-inch ribbon curls. Um, you know, uh, it's, <laughs> it's so perfect that when you undo that gift wrapping in order to make the galaxy, it, th- you know, in danger again with episode seven, you're almost like, damn it. What about return of the Jedi? Um, right. And, uh, that, that, that kind of conversation aside, um, in 1983, George Lucas was ready to be done with this story. Not just the original. Like, I don't think he was even planning a prequel trilogy in 1983. Coming off of a, a rough divorce, a grueling you know, nine-year stint making this, this trilogy, George was done with Star Wars. Um, so he purposely yeah. told a story with a happily ever after, 
which of course modern audiences are not allowed to appreciate, which F that. <laughs> um, that's part of what I love about <laughs> Return of the Jedi is happily ever after. Happily ever after is allowed to exist, cynical America. <laughs> um, yes. But uh, even, even going back to you know 2005 with the re- release of Revenge of the Sith, even there, George was very adamant. It's a six. It's a six six part story, um, and and Return of the Jedi really it finishes that story. Um, and uh, again, I I'm not trying to open the door for like the sequels suck. We don't need them. It's not about that. But I think when you look at Return of the Jedi in its context, both in '83 and even in 2005, this was George trying to say, my story's told. I told the story I wanted to tell. Um, and, and he does that quite beautifully. Uh, by the end of this movie, it's very clear that the galaxy is brought back into balance, um, that the imbalance that was created in light of the prequels has been brought back. It's, it's been restored. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Return of the Jedi, it has a lot of exposition scenes, right? You know, Luke talking with Yoda, then talking with Obi-Wan, talking with Leia, Vader talking with the Emperor. There, there's lots of exposition, exposition dumps in this movie, which even even though I've seen these, this movie hundreds of times, I still kind of enjoy them. Um, yeah. Because they're, it's a way of connecting all the open dots, all the open-ended uh, story points from episodes four and five are kind of brought to their conclusion here. George is saying everything I introduced, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the end of that story. Um, and I think return of the Jedi has such a joyful ending, right? You, you look at that, that Ewok celebration in bright tree village and, uh, and, and I'll, I'll go on record right now to say, and I've said it before, but, one of my favorite changes that they did with the special editions back in 97 was changing Yubnub to this new victory celebration. I love Yubnub. It's yes. super fun, but it does not capture the finality that the victory celebration music does. And I think we are so caught up into that victorious moment because of this music, because of the joyfulness of these friends coming back together, recognizing that they won the day. And I think you know, all going all the way back to the first point I made when talking about this movie, even as a kid, I recognized that Return of the Jedi told us that good wins over evil. And if you work to if you work with the people you love, if you work to restore the galaxy to a place of goodness, you will win. That's what I love about Return of the Jedi is because it does say that good triumphs over evil. And yeah. By the end of this movie, I think part of the victory celebration is a, it, it's a two-part celebration. It's obviously celebrating we've won, we've defeated the Empire, and also these heroes, Luke, Han, Leia, Chewbacca, Lando, who have been struggling over the last couple of movies to win the day. You know what, Jason? They can finally have some rest. They can finally yeah. settle into the work of making peace. Um, and I think that there's there's a catharsis in that as well. Is that we when when our heroes win the day, we can we can appreciate the fact that yes, there will be struggles in the years ahead, and that that there is no such thing as a perfect happy ending. But they've won the day here, and that things ultimately are going to be just fine. 
That's what I love yeah. about Return of the Jedi is that it says that everything's going to be okay. Um, and uh, for me personally, and this is just a personal note, I love stories that have an ending, that have a solid ending um, and, uh, you know, that – that aren't going to just keep going on and on forever. Uh, that's why f- to this day, I will never, ever, ever be a huge Marvel comics fan is because every 10 years, they just start retelling the same damn stories. Uh, I want, I want an ending. And I remember even all the way back to, this is obviously now getting us out of the, the, the purview of star Wars, but I remember when dark Knight rises came out and I think, shoot, I think that was in like 2012. Um, a lot of like Batman comic fans were like, this movie sucks. Batman would never give up. And I was like, screw that. This movie's awesome because it has an ending and it has a good ending. I don't need a new story every few years. And, uh, and again, this is me speaking out of my own, my own preferences. So I, 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 that's all I'm, I can account for here, but return of the Jedi is one of the, the, the main reasons I love this movie is because it has a solid, happy ending with a period. It's done, right? Every Star Wars movie opening crawl ends with a dot, dot, dot. Return of the Jedi ends with a period. Victory. Good triumph over evil. I love that. I love that happy ending. I love the importance of a story having a conclusion. Um, and then the sequel trilogy just redid it. <laughs> like that's, that's my humble opinion. No, no shade on you sequel trilogy lovers. The sequel trilogy is fine. It's got some great stuff. But at the end of the day, to me, it's just a, it's just a rehash of the original trilogy. And that's, to me, it's deepest flaw. Um, so return of the Jedi wraps up the story so well. And whenever you were going to do a sequel trilogy, even if it had been George that did the sequel trilogy, which he originally was intending to at least do episode seven unwrapping that beautifully perfect bow that is return of the Jedi was going to be messy. So this is not to throw shade at what we got with the sequels. That was going to be a very hard story to tell moving forward. Um, and, and, and in part you have to indict return of the Jedi for that reason. Cause it, it's such a perfect ending. It's such a perfect, happy ending. Um, but I personally love that. And, and for me, return of the Jedi ends with this, this, this very clear statement of good triumphing over evil. And, and, and I love it for that. Well, I'm going to continue on this very theme because Carl, literally my last bullet point that I have written down is happy ending parentheses happily ever after. <laughs> like that's what I, that's one of the big things I love about this movie is that we do get a happily ever after star Wars is, is a space fantasy. It's an epic, but it's also a fairy tale and a fairy tale more often than not will end with, and they all lived happily ever after. That doesn't mean the story is over. That doesn't mean there won't be further adventures somewhere down the line, but it does mean that the big challenges that they had to face have been accomplished and have been won. And they can breathe. They can relax. They can go home. They can enjoy themselves. They can take some time to rest, as you said. Uh, and they all lived happily ever after. Happiness is their future now. It doesn't mean it's, you know, obviously life happens, but... You know, the the big evil has been defeated. The evil of the emperor, the evil of the galactic empire. The emperor has been defeated. The empire has been broken. Uh, and it's only a matter of time before our heroes 
can be at peace. And, and that is such a wonderful thing uh, to know that, hey, it may not be tomorrow, but your fight is over. You don't have to keep fighting for the rest of your life, you know, and, you know, and I, and I think, you know, obviously the sequel trilogies, you know, I've got mixed feelings about uh, the various movies. Uh, overall, I enjoy them, but, you know, the, the biggest thing that, you know, I won't say that hurts me, but the biggest thing that I'm a little disappointed about is that so many of our heroes didn't get to just live out their happily ever after, you know, Han had to come back and he gets killed by his son. Luke, uh, you know, sacrifices his life to, uh, pave the way for Ray and to, uh, delay Kylo, you know, his, his student, his nephew, and Leia dies reaching out to offer one final connection back to the good side for her son. You know, they had to fight for the rest of their lives still. Um, which, you know, in a galaxy far, far away, in a franchise called Star Wars, one could expect that to happen. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, that <laughs> that makes sense. However, Return of the Jedi does give us that that bow on top, that that sort of denouement uh, as a, you know, the curtain falls at last and our heroes are done with their their trials. And and it's such a beautiful moment. And the way that they wrap it up there on Endor with the victory celebration, you know, starting obviously with Luke burning Vader's armor, symbolizing both the defeat of the evil and the redemption of his father. And then the galaxy celebrates the defeat of the Empire. And then we get all of our heroes finally all sitting back together as friends, just enjoying a party and a dinner there among the trees and the stars and the Ewoks on Endor. It's... You know, it's a huge galaxy impacting event, but they're having a campfire or they're having a, a cookout in the treetops to celebrate. And there's something very beautiful about the small, intimate nature of that. And I love it. Yeah. Ugh. I love it. <laughs> I love it too, Jason. You know, um, especially with how how big the galactic stakes are right and then i i actually also really love the special editions editions of you know kind of do, giving us a quick galactic tour of all the places we've been before we see people celebrating on tatooine and then um on cloud city and coruscant but and then of course with the blu-ray releases we also got the edition of naboo um yeah. and we get to hear jar jar say we so free um you know it's it's great because i think of I think of those particular editions as kind of like you were, in, you know, said or using your phrase from earlier. It's a thirty thousand foot view that this victory on Endor 
and the victory of these friends while small and intimate, it has these galactic stakes. And even in the far reaches of Tatooine or Cloud City, which has recently experienced the, the new oppression of the Empire, it's a, it's a nice – and I'm thinking about this especially in light of the, the Andor show – you know, how the galaxy longs to be free of the Empire's oppression. So you see these quick little instances all across the galaxy of people celebrating their freedom from oppression. But then it comes back to Endor. It comes back to this intimate little group of friends that are now a family. And their love and commitment to this cause has helped what saw it through and saw it to its victory. And I will forever love as much as Harrison Ford may not. I will forever love the teddy bear picnic in the trees of Endor. Um, and I love that our closing shot is a family photo at the end of the day. Yeah. That's what it is. You know, um, you've got it's it's cheesy as hell. And that's what makes Star Wars to me so awesome. I love cheesy Star Wars. <laughs> um, so I Absolutely. love that the final shot of what was the Skywalker saga until 2015. Um, the final shot of, of George Lucas's story is a family photo. And just to like even pull out of the, 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 the story itself for a moment, how important that visual probably was for George in 1983, who again was coming out of a very difficult divorce. And again, not, not blaming Marsha for any of this at all. Like it is probably mostly George's fault. <laughs> um, but be that as it, may, it, is, it takes two to tango. It we'll sure does, put, but uh, it, it takes that out there. Takes being present to, to tango and George wasn't very present. <laughs> um, yeah. But be that as it may, George clearly uh, came out of that experience longing for family still, right? Like yeah. figuring out like how can I – you know, they had children together at this point and clearly wanted those children to still be uh, – live, live in a world that was joyful and peaceful. And I think that that's what that closing shot – it doesn't just encapsulate what's happening in the story itself is that our heroes have won and let's celebrate the victory. Let's celebrate the love as Yubnub said. Um, but it's also I think an important – personal message for George is that family really matters. And sometimes family has to take on new definitions and new forms, right? The only blood family in that closing family photo is Luke and Leia, but you've got Lando there. You've got Chewie, you've got droids, you've got these Ewok critters running about, right? What it means to be a family can evolve and change, but ultimately family matters and it really is important. And I think that that statement is what makes Return of the Jedi to me so endearing. Absolutely. Uh, it's a family story, ultimately. Yeah. That has galaxy-wide implications. And uh, in Return of the Jedi, they get a moment to be happy and at peace. And that's the wonderful thing about that happily ever after, if you will. So, yeah. And, and, just one quick final note then too, because to mention this explicitly, the fact that the uh, Holy Trinity of Force Ghosts show up to Luke, right? I think they themselves, you know, Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Yoda, they kind of represent the Force incarnate. And even the Force itself looks at this victory and smiles, right? The Force yeah. itself kind of shows up in the midst of this celebration to almost pass its blessing along. That the the fight that you all just went through has been seen as a victory by the force itself. Um, and I think that's also worth noting. Yeah, absolutely. The It's sort of the, the visual representation of the force being back in balance and it approving 
of what has just happened here. So love it. Absolutely love it. Well, we did it. We We did did it it. again. We did it. We did it again. (laughs) Five months later. (laughs) Uh, And and figure out, right. This is, this is why you can have uh, an 11 year podcast. Jason is when you can talk about a movie that you literally just talked in depth about five months previous and still have some new thoughts. And uh, you know what? Spoiler alert. Y'all we'll probably talk about return of the Jedi again sometime in the next couple of years. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's highly likely it's pretty high up on our list of movies to talk about. And, uh, you know, there's no reason not to. So, um, but yeah, there we have it. We we've continued our March towards episode 500, Carl. Uh, we've got two more of these, uh, why we love the dot, 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 um, (laughs) episodes to go. Uh, and, uh, I'm very excited to see, what we're talking about next probably won't surprise anybody with what the other two movies we're going to talk about are though um nope and we hope you'll stay tuned to check those out in the next couple of weeks um but uh, you know before we wrap this up uh again upon the date of this recording we're just a few days out from from christmas so again to any of you and to all of you who, who particularly may celebrate that holiday we want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. We want, to, we want to thank you again as this year starts to come to a close. Thank you for your, your uh, participation in the show, for taking the time to listen to us. There's so many wonderful Star Wars shows out there, and, and, and we hope you're listening to as many as you, you want. Um, but we just want to especially say thank you to each of you who, who take the time to tune in to us, uh, whether it's every week or you know, a couple times a month or once a month. doesn't matter. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your attention and uh, and and being part of your Star Wars experience. That means so much to us. Um, and uh, we're wishing all of you a very safe and happy holiday season. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. Happy Life Day. Happy holidays <laughs> uh, from both of us here at the Wampus Lair to all of you. Uh, and Carl... Um, as we wrap this up, if people want to weigh in on anything we talked about or just share with us why they love Return of the Jedi, where can people do that? Well, they can do it on Instagram at The Wampas Lair. You can also find us on Twitter at Wampas Lair. And you can always email us at uh, wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Anything else before we close down this episode? Yup, dub. Yup, dub indeed. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wampas Lair Podcast. It's been episode number 497, Why We Love Return of the Jedi. Again, uh, for Carl, (laughs) I'm Jason. Uh, Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair. Wampas Lair.